Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From NewSounds.org and the studios of WNYC in New York, this is Soundcheck, our series of live performances and interviews. I'm John Schaefer. In the early years of this century, Montreal's Black Ox Orchestra made two albums of music drawn on Balkan and Klezmer music. Orchestra, by the way, is a name you'll see a lot in Balkan music. It's simply Serbo-Croatian for orchestra or ensemble. But these musicians were also in much-admired bands like Silver Mount Zion and Godspeed You Black Emperor, so after a while they went their separate ways. That was 15 years ago. Now, Black Ox Orchestar is back with a new album appropriately called Everything Returns. It takes the traditional sounds of the Jewish diaspora and klezmer music and makes something new and distinctive with them. Black Ox Orchestar is here in our studio to play some of those songs for us. They're going to start the way the album does, with a track called Tishnigan. <laughs> Thank you. 
Black Ox Orchestar, live performance here in the studio of the Tischnigen, which is the opening track from the band's new album, their first in 15 years, called Everything Returns. And a uh, pleasure for me to welcome the members of the band to the studio. Going around the room, Scott Gilmore at the piano and vocals. Hey, Scott. Hello. Um, before I get to everybody else, Tischnigen, a, a niggen is a wordless song of prayer, right? Uh, that's right. It's um, music. It's considered sort of a, from the mystical tradition of the uh, Hasidism, right? Based on getting into almost a trance-like state through group singing, right? And so Tish, in this case, is that a person or a place? Tish means a table. Oh, so this of course. This is a yeah. song that's sung around the table, very often pounding the fists on the table. Nice. All right. Uh, we move along. Thierry Amar playing the double bass. Thierry, welcome. Hello. Thank you. And uh, Jessica Moss playing the amplified violin, doing some singing as well. Hello, Jessica. Nice Hi. to see you again. So nice to be here. So nice to see you. And uh, Gabriel Levine started on vocals, moved to bass clarinet, and then on to the regular B-flat clarinet. And uh, so, so Gabriel, I mean, uh, this band sort of grew out of the post-punk scene in Montreal, it must have turned heads and <laughs> caused a little bit of scratching of heads when, when Black Ox Orchestar first appeared on the scene. It's true. I mean, in fact, I did have this uh, really strong desire to create a band, you know, playing this kind of music that was also influenced by the whole world of, you know, post-punk or free jazz and other genres that we were listening to. And I think we came together kind of around that spirit. But, you know, in the late 90s, this was also a time when there was a lot of really interesting klezmer and Yiddish revival going on. You know, when I first heard that music, it just spoke to me so strongly. I was I was a guitarist and songwriter and also played the saxophone. But once I started on the clarinet, there was no going back. <laughs> so, Scott, what what is it that finally, after a decade and a half, brought the four of you back together? Well, it was uh, in the middle of the pandemic. And we received an email from uh, Abe Reisman, who's a journalist with the magazine Jewish Currents, who wanted to write an article that was sort of a whatever happened to Black Ox Orchestra, this band that had a, a moment uh, mm -hmm. in the early 2000s that apparently impacted a number of people. Uh, and then we sort of disappeared from the scene. Uh, and since then, you know, the sort of radical Jewish culture, Yiddishist revival has really flowered. And so that really sparked a process of us just, we were in lockdown, we started having Zooms with each other. We started realizing that this was a time in terms of everything happening in the world, right? In terms of some of the extremism we've seen and the rise of violent nationalism and the climate crisis, the pandemic. It felt like a moment we're making music from this Yiddishist tradition that is really about making beauty out of some of the most violent, repressive moments in history um, and finding a way to be both mournful and hopeful in the same musical idiom. And we said, what if we actually just started playing music again? And so we did. All right. Uh, now, you are playing our piano today, but you're also the, the, the band's cymbalom player, which is the, the kind of hammered dulcimer, that's a, a very important sound in klezmer music as well. It is. It's one of the traditional uh, instruments in Eastern European klezmer music, um, both a larger version, the cymbalom, and also a smaller version, the cymbal. It's sort of mm -hmm. a folk version 
But there's a distinctive tradition of Jewish cymbal playing. And in fact, it's so um, distinctive that symbolist uh, is the last name. Sometimes you'll see oh, somebody yeah. with the last yeah, name symbolist. Yeah. It's because... Sometimes uh, spelled with a Z and sometimes with the more traditional TS. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, my understanding is the name comes from a long dynasty of famous cymbal players back in the you know, 19th century. <laughs> So there is, on the new record, there's a track called Moldovan Jacques. And a Jacques is a traditional kind of dance, right? A, a Jacques is a traditional dance uh, through some of the strange hybridization and inaccuracies of Yiddish. The, in Yiddish, a Jacques refers to a th dance in 3-4. Uh -huh. uh, and I don't think the actual Jacques dance, as you would see it in Moldova now, is anything resembling that <laughs> rhythm. Um, but... Uh, we sometimes it's also called a hora in Yiddish, which is nothing like the Israeli hora, and also nothing like the hora that you see in Romania. <laughs> okay, it's this three-four bump. bump, uh, I'm, bump. I'm, I'm becoming really sad that I asked this question. But <laughs> <laughs> Look, you didn't say you wanted the simple answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I will ask a simple question: Is the Moldovan joke on this record a traditional piece, or is this something that you all came up with? Uh, the Moldovan Jacques is it's a medley of um, a actually about three different um, traditional Moldovan songs. So there is some traditional stuff, as there was on the first two records that the band did, uh, but then there, there are these original songs, and Scott, you sing largely in Yiddish. Um, did you grow up with Yiddish as a spoken language? Um, I got yelled at in Yiddish. Uh, <laughs> my, my mother was partly raised by her bubby, her grandmother, who never quite mastered English. And so she, I think like many kind of baby boomers of that time, had a passive knowledge of Yiddish. It wasn't a language that she really planned to use in her daily life, but uh, if she had an excited utterance in the household, Yiddish was sort of her go-to language. So uh, it was always in there for me. And when I came to McGill in Montreal and studied uh, Jewish studies, and I decided to focus on Yiddish, Yiddish literature. Yeah. It is uh, uh, the language of much of the album. I can't speak to this next song, though, because it's brand, it, it, it seems to be a brand new one, not, not on the record. Tell us about uh, Body Keeps the Score. So this is the song Body Keeps the Score. Um, is a new song. It's not on the record, it's, uh, and it's mostly in English. Uh, it's kind of a reflection on um, starting out with a a line of Hebrew that's in Deuteronomy. This is lo tuchal hitalem, which means do not hide yourself. And it comes from an injunction in Deuteronomy that if you find your brother's ox gone astray, you should take responsibility for it. You should not hide yourself from the ox that's gone astray. And it's been interpreted as a ethical principle that you must take responsibility for the problems of other people around you. And 
The song takes it in a bit of a different direction and explores um, holding yourself accountable for times that you've mistreated someone and also finding ways to forgive other people when they've mistreated you. Yeah. Um, finding a way to break, break the cycle of trauma. And this, of course, is a great work of literature and psychologist that wrote about trauma and called it The Body Keeps the Score. Right. It is a, a best-selling book, book title, but now it is also a song by Black Ox Orchestar, who are performing for us here in the studio. It's not on the new record, Everything Returns, but uh, here it is in a live performance. Happiness is here. 
Keeps the Score, a new song played live by Black Ox Orchestar. Jessica, where does the name of the... I know, I know we're talking ancient history now, but when you first came up with the name Black Ox Orchestar, what was the, the rationale behind that? What an amazing question, John. It cannot be the first time you've been asked this question. Well, this is maybe our, this is our first group interview in... 16 years so <laughs> so they're all amazing questions they're all amazing questions do you need a refresher i want to be not the one to answer this because i feel like <laughs> I i'm gonna say it. it wrong please go ahead okay all right scott uh okay so black ox orchestra how did we come up with the name well uh if i remember correctly we did almost an exquisite corpse type of thing where we all just brainstormed a bunch of words on a page and then picked fairly randomly ones that put them together to see what sounded nice and then added orchestra to the end uh, which was an homage to you know Balkan gypsy bands that we loved but uh, as a total coincidence so we could black ox orchestra was the word combination we came up with well it turns out that the letter Aleph first letter of the Hebrew alphabet originally is based from the hieroglyph for an ox. Right. So a black ox is an aleph written in black ink. Nice. And, and you know, that last song, uh, Body Keeps the Score, you were talking about the, the, the quote from Deuteronomy, well, you know, if your brother's ox, if you find your brother's ox. It's funny how that, uh, that, that image meant a lot to people thousands of years ago when... The yeah. ox is not as relevant today as it was several <laughs> millennia ago. Yeah. <laughs> <That's so laughs> bringing, bringing back the ox. Maybe it was time to come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry, what, what is the, uh, the role? I mean, when I think of some of your other bands, like Godspeed You Black Emperor, I think of an almost agitprop quality to some of the music. What is the role of politics in a band like this? Too? I think I'm going to ask... Uh, either Gabe or Scott to take that one over <laughs> as well. <laughs> but it's amazing to ha also to have our, uh, just for ourselves as well, to think about who can answer which types of questions. You could have asked Terry about um, any number of chords, complicated musical questions, and he'd be the guy. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Gabe. Um, I guess for me, when we started the band in the year 2000, it was just around the time of the second intifada. Um, we felt strongly that making this music was a political gesture at that time, that we were making diaspora music uh, and really claiming a Jewish diasporic identity that was not tied to any state. And that's really in long with a long, uh, a long, uh, sorry, 
that's really in line with a long history of um, radical Jewish art, including in the Yiddish uh, literature and modernist art movement in the and 20th Yiddish century. Theater, too. And Yiddish theater, too. Yiddish theater, absolutely. So in a way, sometimes we like to think of this idea of, you know, a tradition that was brutally interrupted, you know, by the Holocaust, by genocide, but almost like we're imagining like that tradition is still going and mm. we're free to experiment within it. And even just that gesture in this day and age feels political. Yeah. Well, and uh, didn't didn't you guys also do um, concerts that were benefits for Palestinian and Algerian refugees back in those days? That's right. Yeah. And in those days, you know, I like at least I personally was involved with um, Palestinian Jewish solidarity groups in Montreal. Uh, and it felt like, you know, we could definitely contribute our music and our you know cultural energy to that. Yeah. And you and Scott uh, founded a puppet theater that went to like the West Bank and played for kids there, things like that. That's right. And that was another moment of saying like, what could we do with these kind of meager artistic tools that we have? We were in a puppet theater company called the Petit Théâtre de l'Absolu, the little theater of the absolute. And uh, through one connection and another, we got invited to perform at the Children's Theater Festival in East Jerusalem. And we brought a puppet show, kind of satirical, almost like political puppet show for kids, but not explicit, you mm-hmm. know, kind of more allegorical fairy tale, and then ended up performing that in refugee camps, schools, community centers, uh, on a kind of three-week tour, which was a pretty uh, life-changing experience. When was that? That was in 2003. Yeah. So right in the middle of a very, very intense time in, uh, in that part of the world. And All right, so that was then. What about now? Part of it is, um, you know, it's saying we don't, we don't necessarily need to start from scratch in terms of searching for a cultural idiom in Jewish culture to voice a protest against fascism or exclusionary nationalism, uh, against um, propaganda and, and, and dishonesty, to hold to, to truth and beauty in a way, because, I mean, that was what Yiddish culture was all about uh, before the war. Um, and it was very much about embracing internationalism and embracing uh, the sort of richness of an almost borderless world uh, mm-hmm. where you could have a hodgepodge language like Yiddish that's was the product of persecution, right? It's the product of refugees going from east to west and back again and bringing elements of their culture with them, fusing it with the local culture. And I think that vision is such a stark contrast to uh, some of the... Um, you know, extreme visions of right-wing nationalism that we've seen, the rise of white nationalism here, not just in the United States, but internationally. Um, And to sort of say, right now, there's a transnational movement of raising borders, and we want to invoke this transnational movement of opposing borders from the 20th century. Right. I mean, and you think of klezmer music and Roma slash gypsy music in the Balkans, it's all over the place because those people did move whether willingly or not, they moved frequently. So the, the mm. idea that, that now you're going to put up borders and stop all of that from happening, there, there will be cultural and artistic ramifications to that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and that's been my experience since I left the band. I became a human rights lawyer, and that's spent many years working as a war crimes investigator, um, documenting abuses occurring in Syria and trying to work with national prosecutors and authorities to build cases to mm. try to hold this sort of next generation of war criminals emerging from 
Syria and now Ukraine and other conflicts um, to ensure that the Nuremberg principles are still upheld. Well, now, uh, does that come into play in this next song, Mizrachmi Ma'arev, uh, which that's Hebrew for? Uh, uh, east from West. Yeah, to the East from the West. And uh, that's, yeah, that's exactly where this song came from. This was actually the first new song that uh, that we wrote as a band and that I toyed with after a 15-year writer's block. Wow. I, st- I stopped playing music altogether. And it was our experience of reconnecting as friends and as a band that inspired me to sit down at the keyboard and just see what happened. And this song emerged and the lyrics um, try to grapple with a little bit of what we talked about. The refugee flows, uh, this voluntary or involuntary movement of people and how it can be devastating for personal lives, obviously, but also in a way a source of creativity and creation. Mm. Uh, all right, let's let's hear the song. Uh, Mizrach Mimarev is the name of it. You'll find a version on the album Everything Returns, but this is a live performance by Black Ox Orchestar. Oh, 
song is called Mizrach Mi Ma'arav, and it's from Black Ox Orchestar. You'll find a version of that on their new album, their first in 15 years, called Everything Returns. And um, so we had three songs with titles in three different languages, Yiddish, English, then Hebrew, although, Scott, I lost track of how many languages are sung in that one song. I mean, That song has Yiddish... Hebrew, German, German, some Arabic, and Arabic. Wow, Yakaldi, yeah, love. Um, so Terry, now that Jessica has outed you as the band's <laughs> music nerd, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm listening. Yeah, so I'm glad you saved a question for me. Yeah, <laughs> from a music point of view, you know, a, a sort of structural, formatic point of view. Is there something in this music, in the music of Southeastern Europe, in klezmer music, that is harmonically or somehow modally distinct 
from other things that you've played? That's a really good question. It's uh, a nerdy question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are scales that are not necessarily unique to, to, to this kind of music. If there's one thing I have noticed in playing this music uh, that I, uh, if there's an element that I don't find anywhere else is a certain amount of togetherness that we have as we play and um, uh, feeling very uh, rooted in the present moment and in the notion that at any point things could change or, or, or a mode could all of a sudden, yesterday Scott played a beautiful major solo in a very, very minor sounding song and it was absolutely incredible and I feel like we enjoy doing it together. Let's, let's, let's say it. Let's I, say that. I, I, I just, I was so surprised, happily surprised to find that, that you were getting the band back together and, uh, and that there was a new record as well. And boy, the, the record does not disappoint. Um, Scott, there are some deeply sad, poignant songs on the record that are also at the same time really quite beautiful. The, the album ends, and we'll end this segment with a little bit of this song called Lamed Vovnik. Again, beautiful, sad, can't play this one on the radio in the United States because of, you know, a certain word that recurs. But, you know, the idea that, um, well, well ex explain what the name Lamed Vovnik refers to. So the, the name Lamed Vovnik comes from a, uh, well, in, in Jewish legend, in the tradition of Kabbalah, uh, the, it, there's the concept that in each generation there are 36 righteous people. Right. And the fate of the world depends on them staying righteous their whole lives, essentially. These are the, the tzaddik, what's the plot? Tzaddikim? The tzaddikim, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the tzaddikim. Lamed Vovnik comes from Lamed Vov, the third and sixth letters. That's 36 in the Hebrew alphabet. So these are the 36 righteous people. And, um, and the thing about it is they don't know who they are. It could uh, be any of us or uh, one of the 36. And so in a sense, we all have this in, intense ethical pressure that one little mistake could bring it all down. Oh, one flaw, one crack in the temple walls, one fuck up in that soul. Everything falls. One flaw. But that's true. That's true in life. I mean, I think that's true for anyone. I'm a, I'm a new father, and I feel like. Oh, congratulations! Oh, thank you very much. But I feel like. The mistake I make today might shape my daughter for the rest of her life. <laughs> what an incredible responsibility, right? Yeah. And then, but you're fallible. You just have to accept that and yeah. live with that. It's a, it's a really extraordinary idea to leave us with, uh, both on the album and here. Uh, but that is where we will leave it. So to the four members of Black Ox Orchestra, welcome back. It's good to have you back and great to have you here playing for us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for Thank having you. us. Thank Lamed Vovnik is the song from Black Ox Orchestra. Their new album is Everything Returns, and we shot video of their live performances here in the studio today. 
Watch them on the New Sounds YouTube channel or right here on the website, newsounds.org. Our video editor is Eric Weber. Our technical director is Irene Trudell. Karen Havlick's our producer. I'm John Schaefer. Thanks for being with us. It's a